Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Well, good morning. Welcome, everyone. Good morning. Great to have you with us today. If you're online, we're thrilled to have you with us as well. And I just want to dive right in. And I want you to think back to some of you, maybe you've been in faith for a long time. If you can remember back when you were young in your faith or immature in your faith, or some of you might be in that space right now where there's that youngness or immaturity. And our prayers at this state of faith look something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Now that I've gotten that out of the way, God, what can I get from you and how do I get it? Now, you may have not said it exactly that way, but there's something early on in our immaturity, there's just something in us that says, hey, God's God, I know I'm not, and so God can get me things, so God, here's what I want, God, how do I get it from you? Now, here's the problem with this, and, and all of us understand this on some level, because it describes maybe a relationship we've been in before with somebody at some point. You and I know it's impossible to have an authentic relationship with someone who just wants to get something out of us, right? Isn't that true? I mean, think about that in your own life. There's, there's people in our lives who they just, they always have an agenda. And, and so it's just, it's like you have this relationship with them. There's always something they want from us. And while they may be polite and kind and they might be family members, they might be even good friends of ours, at some point they just drop the hint hey, I could really use this. Hey, could you help me out here? Hey, I I know I've asked this before, but, but can you help me? Can you do this for me? And as long as somebody ultimately is just kind of wanting something from us, you just know it's not gonna be a full, genuine, authentic relationship. You know what I'm talking about? You've maybe been there. Maybe you're the one who always has the agenda. And the amazing thing is this, is, is John who followed Jesus He told us that God has already given us everything that we need because he gave us himself. He showed up. And as we're going to see today, it's not about what we can get because he already gave us everything we need. He gave us himself. It's not about what we can get. And if this idea can go from our heads, you know, theologically, and if it can actually seep into our hearts, if it can actually get deep into our hearts, it will change everything for, in our life. It'll change our perspective. It'll change our relationship with God. Our entire life will change. In our series we've been in, we've called it Signs, we're following John as he follows Jesus. And we've learned, right, John didn't follow Jesus because of faith, right? He followed Jesus, why? Because of what he saw and because of what he heard. In fact, because of what he saw and what he heard, he was convinced that Jesus actually was the Messiah. And once he was convinced Jesus was the Messiah, he was like, I'm gonna place all my faith and I'm gonna place all my trust in him as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Messiah. And John wants that for you and I as well. And so John wrote it this way in John chapter 20, verse 30, he said this, Jesus performed many other what? Everybody say it, performed many other? signs, there it is, in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. And John says, here's why I wrote them. I could have told you about a lot of other stuff Jesus did, but here's why I wrote specifically what I wrote, because they're signs. And I wrote them 
because they're written so you can believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have what? You may have something. You may have what? And in John's case, he says that you may have life, but that's the question people were asking. You may have something. It's a question they were asking in the first century. It's a question you might be asking. And the question is, what do I get out of this? That I may have what? What do I get out of this? That's the tension that you and I are actually confronted with today as we look at the fourth sign that John talked about. It's perhaps the most famous sign in in all of the Bible and one of the most well-known stories in all the Bible. It's the story of the feeding of the 5,000 plus. And we're gonna talk about the plus in a few minutes. So we're gonna pick up in John chapter six. If you have your phones, you can go on your phone to the YouVersion Bible app. Our, our notes are in there. You can track it all there and take extra notes. You can save it um, and keep it for the future. Or if you have a physical Bible, you can go there as well. John chapter 6. And we're going to pick up in verse 1. It says this, Jesus crossed to the shore, to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him. See, what we've been discovering is that when Jesus shows up, crowds show up. Crowds follow him. No matter where Jesus went, there was a crowd. And a great crowd followed Jesus, it says, because of faith. No, that's not what it says, does it? They didn't follow him because of faith. Nobody in the first century followed Jesus because of faith. They followed, verse uh, 2, because they saw the what? They saw the? They saw the signs. It's a big word for John. That he had performed by healing the sick. They followed because of what they saw and because of what they heard. So imagine this. Word travels. Jesus is back in the region. And so people, they want to come and they want to see and they want to hear. They're wondering perhaps maybe he's the Messiah. Maybe he's the prophet that's been spoken of or or if nothing else, he's this miracle worker. So at least let's go show up and see if Jesus will do a few more tricks. And maybe you're sick or a family member or a friend is sick and you're like, hey, let me show up. Maybe at least he'll heal me. Let's go check Jesus out. So these crowds are coming. Jesus turns around, looks at the crowd coming, and notice what it says in verse 3, John chapter 6. So Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. And then John gives us an important detail in this story, verse 4. The Jewish Passover festival was near. Now, this is an important story. If you remember, if you were with us maybe last week or the week before, there was one time where John mentions that there was a festival, but he didn't tell us which one because it wasn't important to the narrative. Interesting. This time, John mentions the Jewish Passover festival was near. It's important to the story, and it's going to help us explain the crowd's response later in the story. The Passover is near. What is Jewish Passover? Jewish Passover was when the nation of Israel celebrated together. God had them do this. They celebrated the the nation of Israel, its deliverance from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. You remember, some of you know the story, and some of you may not know the story. God sent the prophet Moses, who led the people of Israel out of Egypt and out of bondage and out of slavery and destroyed Egypt in the process. And so in the first century, Passover for the Jewish people was this annual reminder that, man, we need another Moses. We need another Joshua. We need another Judas Maccabees, the hammer. We need someone to come in and to galvanize us, to draw us together, to unite us. 
so that we can conquer the Romans and they can, we can kick them out of our land that God promised us. And so the story continues, John chapter 6, verse 5, and it says, Jesus looked up and he saw this great crowd coming towards him. Thousands, thousands of people are approaching Jesus. And Jesus knew why they were coming. They're kind of like us. They were coming to get something. They wanted something. You see, they were so enamored with the signs that Jesus was doing and and wanting to get something from that and watching Jesus perform these signs that they missed who the signs were pointing to. They were caught up in the sign itself, the miracle itself, never taking the time to pause and to recognize there's a point to all of it. There's a point to these signs. They were all pointing to who Jesus claimed to be. And then Jesus turned to Philip in John chapter 6, verse 5, and he says to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And what you need to understand is at this point, nobody in the story is expecting there to be lunch. Okay? Nobody's expecting to feed everybody. Nobody's thinking, hey, thousands of people here are here. I know what we'll do. Let's just all have a feast together. Nobody's having that conversation. So Jesus turns to Philip and says, hey, Philip, where are we going to get enough food to feed all these people? And Philip's thinking to himself, Jesus, what are you talking about? We don't feed people. We heal people. Remember, Jesus, that's what you do. You heal people. We don't feed people. Verse 6, Jesus asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And then in verse 7, Philip answered him, well, Jesus, it's going to take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to just have a what? To just have a bite. Notice that, and we'll come back and we'll see that a little bit later in the story. It'll take just six months' wages just to give everybody even a bite. In other words, Jesus, we're looking around. There's no store even close that can provide, that's around, that's close, that can provide nearly enough food for all these people. And we don't even have enough funds to cover the food if there was a Costco nearby. And if there was a Costco nearby, and if we did have enough food, it would only be enough to give people a single what? A single bite. Verse 8, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. And it appears Andrew has this sense of humor because he sees this little boy with some food who has his lunch. And in verse 9, he says, hey, Jesus, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. What do you think, Jesus? That ought to cover all the people, right? What do you think? And then to their shock, verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in the area, and so they sat down. Whoa, 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 Jesus, time out here. You're having the people sit down, really? Come on, Jesus, there's there's thousands of people. Just just, you know, say your thing, do your thing, talk about the kingdom of God, share a little parable, and let's send them on their way. What do you mean sit down? You're not really thinking like we're going to have lunch here. I was kidding about the boy and the, you know, the five, the five loaves of bread and the two fish. What are you talking about, Jesus? And it goes on. John gives us a detail about what's about to happen. And it says um, about 5,000 people were there. Now, why does he mention, excuse me, about 5,000 men were there. Now, why does he just mention the men? Why doesn't he mention women? Are women not important? No, 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 that's not the point of the story at all. 5,000 men was the equivalent of a fully formed Roman legion. So John is giving us a little foreshadow, witness to what's going to be taking place and what's about to happen. 
So with 5,000 men present, it's very likely there's 15, 20, 25,000 people who have gathered to hear Jesus. And then Jesus smiles at this little boy. He bends down, verse 11, and he took the loaves and he gave thanks and he distributed this tiny little bit of food to those who were seated as much as they wanted and he did the same with the fish. Now, you and I read that verse right there and we just go ho-hum, heard it, heard it, heard it, heard it, preached a thousand times, I've read it a thousand times. You and I glance over. Can you just for a moment pause in your own brain and think about this? You have 10, 15, 20, 25,000 people. And John simply said to us, they had as much as they wanted, bread and fish. Like, just for a moment, be amazed. Don't just glance over it because you've heard it a thousand times. Verse 12, when they had had enough to eat, when they had had what? Enough to eat. They didn't just have a, what did Philip mention? They didn't just have a what? They didn't just have a bite. They had enough to eat. And Jesus said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Now, there's been people over the years who've tried to say, this isn't a miracle, and they give all these goofy explanations. But the people who were there, the people who actually witnessed this, they said, this is what happened. And John said in verse 14, and a, few, and a couple verses later, he says, this was a sign. It was pointing to something. Verse 13, and so they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I want you to think about this. Those of you know who know a little bit about Jewish history. When the Israelites had left Egypt, uh, conquer, uh, God had conquered the Egyptians for them. They had left Egypt. They escaped. They disobeyed God. And so God had them wander the desert for 40 years. And when they're wandering the desert for 40 years, God provided for them manna from heaven, Right? And, and some of you might know the story, God provided them just enough that they needed for each day to live on what they needed to live for on that day. And I think it's interesting, God says, I'm gonna up the ante. And through my son, Jesus, I'm gonna provide more than enough. Tons and tons of leftover. And so the question that they're asking, it's the most important question they could ask, it's the most important question you could ever ask. Who is this guy? Who is he? This is unbelievable. Verse 14, after the people saw the sign, there's the word. Call it a miracle. John's word was sign because they were pointing to something. After they saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Who is this guy? There's this moment, there's this moment, their, their bellies are full. Their appetite is satisfied. And so for a moment, they're able to take their minds off their appetites, and they're able to get their minds off of themselves. And for a moment, they're able to shift their focus on to whom the signs point to. Not just the sign itself, but to who it points to. And for that moment, they recognize, oh my goodness, this might actually be the one that we've been told all our lives was coming the one that Moses said another prophet is coming, the one whom Daniel said the son of man is coming. And for a moment, just a moment, they got it. But Jesus knew. Their recognition, their acknowledgement, he knew it was temporary. Not only that, this wasn't the right timing for what Jesus was going to do in the world. Look at the next verse, John chapter 6, verse 15. Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force. 
Important. Let's pause there for a moment. Knowing they came to make him king by force. This is what all this foreshadowing is about that John's already been telling us. This is why John mentions that there are 5,000 men. 5,000 men. Remember, 5,000 men, a Roman legion. And that the first prophet Moses was able to deliver the people from the bondage of Egypt back then, then maybe this prophet can deliver us today from our Roman bondage. By the way, it's very interesting to think about Matthew chapter 15. Matthew gives another story where Jesus feeds people. And in that story, Jesus feeds 4,000 men plus women and children. Not the same story, different story. 4,000 men. So I did a little research on it. Turns out a, Roman, a standard Roman legion is 4,000 people. An emergency Roman legion is 5,000 people. So both of them, something's going on as they're, they're foreshadowing. They're talking more than just the amount of men and what it represents. So imagine if you were there. Imagine what you're thinking, what's going through your mind. Remember, John mentioned there's a festival right around the corner. Which one was it? Anybody remember? Passover, right? Okay, that's important why John mentions that. So picture this. Passover, what is it? It's when God delivered the people from the bondage of slavery with the Egyptians. So you have 5,000 men, a Roman legion worth, and they're on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. They say, we're going to march on Jerusalem. And we have Jesus here, the prophet who is to come. And as we're marching, hey, we can gather another 5,000 men, another legion worth by the time we get to the south of the Sea of Galilee. Hey, by the time we get midway, halfway to, to Jerusalem, we can get another Roman legion worth. By the time we get to the gates of Jerusalem, we could have four legions of men with Jesus as our king, ready to go in and to conquer and to take over and have him deliver us from this Roman bondage. No more occupiers. The land will be ours again. Jesus knew. He knew their heart. He knew their intent. And he knew their motive. And he knew that their motive in all of this had nothing to do with who Jesus really was and had everything to do with what they thought that Jesus could do for them what they could get out of Jesus, what Jesus would do for them that they wanted. And so what did Jesus do? John chapter six, verse 15. It says, Jesus withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Then Jesus, heads across, or Jesus sends the disciples across the lake. A big storm comes up. Jesus walks on water, saves the day, and they get to the other side. And once again, the crowds show up. Little do they know that Jesus is in a moment going to do something. He's about to thin the crowd. And not only that, he's going to call them out. And I suspect he's going to be calling us out a little bit as well. Here's what I mean by that. Let's go back to this idea. Have you ever heard someone say something like this? Or maybe you've said it yourself. Maybe you're saying it even now a little bit. And it's something like this. Not the exact words, but you say something like this. You know what? At some point, I gave up. I gave up on, you know, church because I wasn't getting anything out of it. You know, I used to do that, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. I used to participate in this. I used to go to that. I used to be involved in life groups, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. I used to give. You know what? I used to serve faithfully, but I just wasn't getting anything out of it. I wasn't getting anything out of what I wanted syndrome. 
And the point that Jesus is about to make is as long as it is for you and I about getting something out of it, about what we can get, man, we're missing it. We're missing who Jesus is and what he is. As long as it is, it is about you and I get, getting something out of it, listen, we're just consumers. Feed me, feed me, feed me. We're just consumers wanting whatever it is that our latest appetite is. Give me, give me, feed me, feed me. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him. Now I want you to think about this again. When you're in a relationship with somebody who is really focused on getting something, always trying to get something out of you, you've been in that relationship. Maybe you have that relationship with some people that you love, but you know, right? There's always an agenda. You know what I'm talking about? There's always this kind of game going on. The things they say, they don't even really mean what they say, and it's cryptic, and there's, there's always something behind it. And you know, and you can't believe that they don't know how clueless they are when they're asking, right? You know what I'm talking about? And so they ask this question. Someone in the crowd shouts out, Rabbi, when did you get here? That's not the question. They don't care about when the rabbi got there. They're, they just are glad he's here because they want something. So Jesus shakes his head and he says, you're not interested in what I, what I, when I got here, verse 25, you're just looking for me, not because, you're not, you're not looking for, excuse me, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed. You didn't make the connection to who the signs were pointing to. You came looking for me because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. You're here for the food. Feed me, give me, give me. And unfortunately, you missed who that sign was pointing to. You're here because you, of what you got out of it. Feed me. Then Jesus leans into the crowd, and I suspect he's leaning into us right now as well. And Jesus says this, John chapter 6, verse 27, he says, do not simply work for, do not simply live for, don't give your entire life to, don't waste the hours and the days of your life simply working for something, for food that spoils, for something that's temporary. But work for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give. Jesus is saying, do you not realize what I'm offering you? Do you not realize what I'm giving to you? Do you not realize what the sign is pointing to? Do you not recognize who I am? Verse 27, for on him, meaning me, the son of man, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. God has certified me. God has authorized me on his behalf. Do you not recognize I, me, Jesus, am speaking the very words of God. I'm doing the deeds of God. Do you understand the gravity of this very moment that you are in? Because the reality is it looks to me like all you care about is lunch, what you can get out of me. And so they asked him, verse 30, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Jesus, we're starting to get it. Can you just, one more time, one more thing, Jesus. One more sign's gonna help me. And this is where some of us live. In that space of, of, of we're, we're coming before Jesus and we're saying, you know, God, I would fully dive in. God, I'd fully surrender, but, but 
I need a little more. Show me something else. God, give me something else. God, I, I, I would be all in with church and you and faith and generosity and love. And for, God, I'd do it, but God, I, I'm not totally sure yet. How about one more time? Then perhaps I'll believe. And some of us live in that space. But here's a group of people, a group of individuals who've already experienced something that is beyond belief. And they're still saying, hey, Jesus, can I just get one more trick? One more magic show? This just popped into our heads. How about this, Jesus, verse 31, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus is thinking, seriously, seriously, you're going back to lunch again? You're talking about food again? You can't see past your stomachs? I'm here, the presence of the light, the light of the world is right in front of you and you're still like temporary stuff and what can you get with food? In fact, when you read the rest of John chapter six, John tells us that these people who had been following Jesus, they decided to unfollow Jesus when they realized there was no more to get from him. No more magic show, no more lights. And John tells us they walked away. Now, maybe because of their circumstances in that moment, maybe they had an excuse, but I gotta tell you, you and I don't have an excuse. Why? Because you and I are on this side of the resurrection. And the one who said, I am the light of the world, proved it, and he raised from the dead. And so we don't have the same excuse. So I wanna ask you, are you just in it for the food? Feed me, feed me, feed me. Are you just in the Christian thing for what you can get out of it? For what you can get out of him? If so, the reality is you just haven't yet come to grips with who you're actually dealing with. Because the reality is you and I stand in the presence of the light of the world, of almighty God, king of the universe. And when you and I are just trying to get something temporarily out of Jesus, Jesus is saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. Why would you keep going after something that's just temporary? Why would you do that? I have something to offer you that is so much more. He said, Jesus said, John chapter 6, verse 35, on the bread of life, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see what Jesus is saying to you and to me? He's saying what I offer you is so much more than that which is temporary. That's that which will satisfy you in the moment. I offer you something that lasts, that lasts for eternity. It was a handful of Jewish people. They figured it out. And because they figured it out and they demonstrated the love of Jesus to others, they literally rocked the empire. And the whole empire became aware of them because they realized we already have everything that we already need. The question for them was no longer, what can I get out of it? The question of first importance that Jesus was trying to get the audience to understand, that Jesus looks at you, that Jesus looks at me, and he says, who do you believe that I am? Who do you think that I am? For some, he was nothing more than a magic rabbi doing tricks. And they lost interest when the show was over. But a few recognized Jesus. He was God in disguise. And they realized in Jesus, there's something that goes far beyond which is temporary. 
that deep longing inside of me that touches my very soul, that gives me life. Are you just in it for the lunch? For what you can get, feed me, feed me, give me, give me, give me. If so, I can promise you, you will miss the adventurous life that Jesus has for you. You will miss out on life to the fullest that Jesus actually came to give you. Because it's impossible, it's impossible if you and I are just trying to be in a relationship, it's impossible to have an authentic relationship with someone if we're just trying to get something out of them. So how about you and I, lying in the sand today, Jesus, I'm done negotiating. Jesus, I'm done trying to get something out of you. How about right now, today, we say, it's now, Jesus, all about simply saying yes to you. That I wake up every single morning and I say, Heavenly Father, here's my hands, here's my feet, here's my eyes, here's my ears, here's my life, here's my resources, here's my pain. God, here's the the story of my life. Here's everything. And God, I make it available to you. And the only thing I really care about is being in the center of your will. And so God, I just wanna be as generous as you want me to be. I wanna be as available as you want me to be. God, I want you to be, I wanna be as committed as you want me to be. God, I wanna be as authentic as you want me to be, as forgiving as you want me to be, as loving as you want me to be. Or somebody says, that's a long prayer. I can't remember that. Okay, just use Jesus's words. Heavenly Father, not my will be done, but thy will be done. And we just go to him and we lay before him, not what I want, God, not what I can get out of it, not feed me, feed me, feed me. No, 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 thy will be done. John said, these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So let's catch it. You do get something. You do. But it's so much better than what's temporary. It's so much better than what's satisfying in the moment. It's so much better than lunch. Why settle for lunch? When Jesus says, I have life for you. I have life. But until that's enough for you, then you've simply reduced your savior to the significance of a food trunk, truck with a menu. Why would we ever go there? So let's not be consumers. Let's be followers. Let's not simply consume. Let's leave our mark because followers, not consumers, followers are the ones that change the world. I don't know about you, but I want God to use me to change the world. And the only chance I have of God doing that is I just say, here it is, God. My life is yours. What are you? Consumer? Follower? Consumer? Follower? Feed me, feed me, feed me? Lunch, God? Or not my will? Thy be done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come before you. Hearts open to you. And I want to encourage you right now to take a moment in your own words just to say something to Jesus. If you're willing to be a follower, not a consumer, would you just say something like this? Jesus, thank you 
Thank you for giving me life. God, forgive me for those times where I want to settle for lunch when you have something so much better for me. I want to have life in your name. So Jesus, I come before you once again, and I just surrender my life to you. I say yes to you, and I'm not going to be a consumer. I'm going to be your follower. Jesus, hear my heart's cry to you. And some of you are here, and you've never said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior yet. And he's the author and perfecter of life, and he will give you life. He'll forgive you of your sins right in this very moment, and you could be part of the family of God. And you say, I want that. I want to be in the family of God. I see that everything I've been hearing and learning about is Jesus came for me because he loves you. And if you say, I'm ready, I want to give my life to Jesus, will you pray with me right now? It's not the exact words, but it's more that, hey, this is real from your heart. And just say something like this, Jesus, thank you for coming to give me something that is bigger than temporary, is bigger than momentary. You got, Jesus, you came to give me life eternal. And so right now, Jesus, as best as I understand, I just surrender my life to you. Come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. In faith, God, I give my life to you. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins, for giving me life and welcoming me into your family. My life is yours. In Jesus' name I pray. God, hear these prayers, these cries out to you. Thank you, God, for giving us life. And may we be people who walk out of here not satisfied with something temporary like lunch, but we constantly seek the author, the giver of life, Jesus. We worship you, we praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.